Welcome to sermons from First Alliance Church, equipping you to become a fully devoted and faithfully engaged disciple of Jesus. Here's today's message. Hey everyone, welcome back. We're glad that you just are continuing with us in our series. This is the first week of our three-week series entitled Emissions Focused People. And today I'm excited to have our guest speaker, Stevens Odege. Stevens and I go way back, way back enough that uh, I think I was in just in university when yep. you started as a pastor Indeed. at Rexdale Alliance. You were my wife's, Mandy's youth, youth pastor. pastor. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yep. now that you all know that Mandy's a little younger than me. <laughs> um, and you're an amazing leader. I think you've served at Rexdale for quite a while. Mm-hmm. People's awesome. Church, executive mm-hmm. pastor, small groups, many things like that. And about a year or two ago, God had kind of led you and moved you away from pastoral mm-hmm. ministry from mm-hmm. 20 years or so. Yeah, well done. From 20 years of ministry to becoming a police officer in the city of Toronto. Uh, Stevens, great friend, powerful leader. Uh, His wife, Joanne, and their two kids uh, are amazing and incredible. And um, yeah, they're just really, really amazing people. And I'm excited for you to be here today. So welcome, everyone. And uh, Stevens, let me just ask you a question to kick us off. Uh, Tell us a bit about yourself and how you got involved in church ministry? Well, I was born and raised uh, in Montreal, and for me, my college years were fairly uh, formative when it comes to following Christ. You know, when you look at the life of the disciples, uh, you don't exactly sure when they became followers of Christ. I mean, you, when you mm-hmm. look at Paul, you know, it was a spot, like a date, you know, almost like you know, sticking the ground, that's where it happened. And the disciples, you're not exactly sure when you know that. Uh, and the, in, in the Gospels, we were following Jesus. And by the time you reach the book of Acts, they were like full-blown followers of Christ. And I would say yep. that my college years were formative like that. I was part of a group of friends where we'd get together on a regular, so pretty much every Friday night, and we'd get together and pray uh, and seek God. And as part of this uh, prayer meeting, one my friends at one point came to me while we were praying, and he said, Stevens, I believe that God is calling you to full-time ministry. Hmm. And when he said that, I, I kind of laughed, because, I mean, that was not in my plans at all. I was doing <laughs> pre-med studies, uh, and I had no plans at all to go into full-time ministry. A few months later, I go to a different prayer meeting, completely different group of people, and people are praying really into it, and I'm not really connecting. And in my mind, I kind of said, God, you know, why don't you speak to me, because I'm not really like into this, this prayer time right now. And as soon as I said that in my mind, the guy leading the prayer meeting is like, everybody stop, stop the prayer meeting. Who just asked God to speak to them? And I'm like, hey, there's no way that's, I mean, we're in the home setting and mm-hmm. he's literally going from room to room and I'm like, man, nobody's like putting up their hands. So I kind of sheepishly put my hand up and he says to me, you know, God is calling you to go to full-time ministry. Somebody already told you um, and God is calling me to tell you right now to confirm that calling on your life. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling like, man, okay, God, look, I, I kind of need to take that a little bit more seriously now. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I pulled a Jonah and went to computer engineering because I figured, you know, if ministry, if ministry didn't pan out, at least I'd fall, have something to fall back upon. But I knew this wasn't where God was calling me to. So uh, I, I, I left that, went to Bible college in Regina. And as part of my studies, I had to do an internship and a placement at Rex Online Church in Toronto, where I was a youth pastor for uh, about 11 years. And this is where I met Tim and Mandy. And let me tell you, let me just pause and tell you that if you don't think there's hope, Tim is a living proof that there is hope. Like Tim was, like his reputation preceded him when, he read, when I was at Rex. From having like green hair and blue hair and driving in people's trunk. I mean, there were so many stories that I could tell about Tim. But he is living proof 
prove that there is hope for everybody. Okay, All right, let's, so, let's get back on. <laughs> so, like I was saying, I was a youth pastor at Rigsdale <laughs> for about eleven years, and then I moved on to the People's Church, uh, where I serve as uh, a small a live group pastor and a uh, congregational life pastor in executive capacity. For uh, I was at People's for the last seven years or so. So hmm. that's been my journey in terms of uh, of being involved in full time ministry. I think, I think it was around 2019 summer, you were kind of wrestling and journeying, mm-hmm. and we had got together. I think I was actually at People's for a missions conference, mm-hmm. just kind of like learning and growing, and I remember being, hey, Stevens, Stevens works here. I think this guy is a pastor I look up to and I really respect. I love getting together with him and picking his brain and kind of learning more about who you are. And that summer, I think I sat down, we went out for Thai food, mm-hmm. and, and then you just dropped this bomb on me that surprised <laughs> me completely. Tell me about that. Yeah, so... Uh, we have two kids, as you mentioned earlier on. Just as a quick aside, this summer my daughter was riding her, her bike from my ne- neck of the woods to Tim's neck of the woods, and she was so thirsty, so she decided to stop at Tim's place and, you know, ring the doorbell to ask for a glass of water. And Tim had no clue who she was, even though my daughter was a flower girl at his wedding. Tim had no clue who she was. So th- thanks, Tim. Again, yeah, she's my wife traumatized. Was, my wife was very we're, we're, we're working on me. that now. Yeah, yeah. She, 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 she's getting better. So got two kids, a daughter and a son. My son plays soccer, and one of the soccer dads is with is serving with Toronto is uh, with Toronto police and at one point he sends me a text like Stevens I believe you should be a police officer hmm. I remember reading the text I kind of laughed at him and uh, I said you know thank you but no thank you and I'm a pastor I've been a pastor for almost 20 years I'm good but why why do you say that I'm curious like why do you say that and he's his response to me was because we need good people and that like really caused me to, to think a little bit. And then I got together with another friend of mine, Mark. Yeah. Um, and I shared that with Mark. Mark, you wouldn't believe this crazy idea that you know, this friend was sharing with me. Um, and I tell him you know, the text that I received. And he's like, well, Stevens, you know what? I don't think it's that far-fetched. So from my perspective, you know, when I look at you, I look at your salt. And wherever mm. you go, you will bring God's presence to right. people. So from my perspective, it'd be more of a change of audience than you leaving ministry. So I don't think it's mm. that far-fetched. And I kind of rebuked him uh, and left <laughs> our, our lunchtime. And then we uh, I went to work the following, uh, the following week. And somebody was leading our, uh, our, weekly, uh, our weekly staff meeting. And they showed a video. And the video was talking about the use of, bib- uh, of salt in biblical times based on Luke 14, verse 34 to 35. Uh, if salt loses its saltiness, it's no yeah. longer good for the soul or the manure pile. Basically, you just chuck it. And the, the gentleman was saying, what kind of salt is good for a manure pile? And he was saying back then, they didn't have a whole lot of wood or stuff to use as fuel. So what they would do is they would dry up manure and use that to put in the fire uh, as fuel. Hmm. Well, one thing they discovered is they would marinate the manure with salt. It would burn for longer, brighter, and hotter. Hmm. So his basic calling, or his basic challenge was, what are the manure piles of this world where, of this world where God is calling you? Hmm. What are the manure piles of this world where God is calling you? I remember thinking, man, my, my friend says that we need good people. My buddy Marge said he sees myself. Now this happened, and it just got me uh, thinking more and more. And I remember um, talking to my wife. I'm like, babes, like, you, you wouldn't believe what just, just happened, but, you know, I've, these little things are just happening. Like, what do you think? And she's like, you know, when I was a teenager, I told God two things. I told God, I don't want to marry a pastor, and I don't want to marry a cop. So you figure it out. But those are, are, are the two things that I told God when I was a teenager. So uh, I, I sought counsel. I asked different people 
ask one of my mentors, Sundar. Uh, and by that time, there were different events like that that were just confirming, mm. you know, this sense of direction, sense of calling. So when mm. I, I met with Sundar, Sundar says, you know, uh, two things. One is you need to have your, your hands open and be open to wherever God is leading you. Mm. And the second thing is like maybe you pursuing this is not you running away from Nineveh, but maybe this is your Nineveh. Maybe this mm. is where God is calling. Because I knew full well that I got a, uh, had a call to full-time ministry. It was clear. And Maybe, uh, maybe Sunday was saying, maybe uh, you've served, you've fulfilled that calling, and now God is calling you to uh, a different place. So I kept on uh, talking to different, uh, different pastors, different mentors of mine. One of them was saying, you know, like, it seems to be pretty clear. Uh, what are you waiting for? Hmm. Um, and my, my, my pastor at the time, or my, uh, at People's Church, Brett and Bride, was uh, speaking on the book of Nehemiah. And uh, the first mention was talking about how Nehemiah had like a burden, a burden for the city. And, um, and he was, he was telling, challenging us, you know, what God has placed in your heart? What's, what burden uh, hmm. that God has placed in your heart? And during the whole sermon, my wife is like elbowing me. Boom, boom. No, this is for you. This is for you. This is for you. Um, and at the end of the message, he uh, made an altar call. He basically asked people to stand. He would pray for us. So I stood up, prayed. Uh, he prayed for us. And then he says, you need to tell somebody in order to be accountable. And my wife was like, again, boom. She's like, you need to tell him. Mm. And I mean, you, you probably can appreciate that. Telling your pastor, your boss, that you're potentially leaving the church as you're seeking <laughs> yeah. to uh, go to another job, it's not probably the, the wisest of decision, right? Yeah. So I was, I was terrified at the idea of approach, because it's not mm. as if like, I had it in the bag, right? Like I'm, I'm just wrestling with this idea. It was just an idea at the time. So I, I go talk to Brett, and he was so affirming and so hmm. uh, encouraging hmm. in terms of pursuing uh, God's call uh, in my life. And uh, I remember that I was like, hey, like, all these people seem to be affirming uh, this sense. And I remember that one of the big times was my, my dad telling yeah. my parents. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I come from a, a Haitian community in Montreal where, you know, when, when, when I got uh, ordained at, 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 uh, at Resident, if you remember, but I had like mm -hmm. two busloads of people who yeah. left Montreal at 5 a.m. to come to the service. Then we all ate, then they went back. So I was, I'm very affirmed. Uh, I'm right. a little like, you know, poster boy in, in my community. So <laughs> I remember going to my dad and I'm like, dad, you know, like, this has been my journey. I was terrified. You know, we met for coffee. And I remember like walking there and, you know, like stressing out and everything. I'm like, hey, dad, you know, this has been my journey. I'd like to share with you. Um, and I for sure thought that my dad was going to tell me to, you know, to go pound salt or something because, you know, <laughs> this is just so far fetched. Yet my dad was so affirming, hmm. you know, it's like, you know, I could clearly see God's hand on, on your journey. So maybe you should pursue this. Um, and, and I said, okay, dad, that was back in March. I said, dad, you know, there's a class in April and there's another class in August. He's like, you know, April might be a little bit too soon. Why don't you go for the class in March, in, in August? August. He's like, wouldn't that be cool if God gives you that for your birthday? My birthday is August, is August 1st. Sure enough, August 1st, morning of August 1st, I get a call from Toronto Police mm -hmm. saying that they are off me the position of, as, as police constable. You know, and I was told that there was a class of, there were around like 3,200 applicants, and they chose 120 of us. And even though I had like no background in policing whatsoever, mm -hmm. this is the way that, uh, that God has paid for me. So it's been a, an incredible journey uh, from serving God in uh, full-time ministry to serving God as a police officer. So uh, thank you for sharing a lot about your, um, the things, how God called you, kind of ordained that in the context of community, bringing that together, yet the fears, um, how do I, 
you know, my, if, if you know anyone who knows Joanne Stevens' wife, she is like the voice of God. She's one of the most direct people mm. I know. She, you know. She'll tell it to you as it is. So when she's elbowing, those are like rough yes. elbows right so, to the side there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, God worked through your dad, worked through Joanne, really making it clear this calling upon your life. Mm. Now, did you ever worry um, that you were like kind of selling out or giving something up or making a mistake or... How did you view, like, yeah, full-time, like, God, God gave you a call when you were young, and then he gave you another one about 20 years later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's something that at first I was like, man, that, that doesn't quite happen, right? Because you often hear of people who leave the secular world to go into full-time, and yeah. you, you rarely hear of, of the opposite side. So um, as, as I was wrestling with that, I remember... Uh, you know, the Bible talks about how in the bounds of, 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 of counselors, there's wisdom. Mm. And I remember talking to different people, um, and one of those persons was Vijay, Vijay Krishnan, who's now a pastor at The Well, who, him, was uh, serving in the secular Correct. world and pretty much left, who's being groomed to be the next CEO of, of Swiss Chalet, left that to become uh, a pastor at, uh, at Upper Room. And I remember saying, Vijay, like, help me understand, you know, because I'm wrestling with this, and, and I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm leaving this, I'm, I'm betraying God. Right. You know, and I feel like I, I'm not, I'm betraying, and Vijay, he calls me Steve, like, Stevie, you, you need to understand, you know, we often make this false dichotomy between the sacred and the secular. We, mm. we often think that the sacred is mm. better than the secular, as if like serving in a church setting is more important than flipping burgers at McDonald's. It's like, right. no, God wants to have dominion on every aspect of society. When God called Adam and Eve, it's mm. that dominion of, over all the earth. Mm. And whether you're serving in the church, whether you're serving in the policing, whether you're serving uh, at whatever place of work where God, whatever sphere of influence where God has you, this is where he's placed you to be salt and to represent him in everything uh, that, uh, that you do. So don't think that you, you, you're selling yourself or you're selling, you're selling out because you're, you're, you're serving God in, in such capacity. No, this mm-hmm. is as much as part of God's plan to place people in all sphere of society in order to draw all people closer to him. You know, mm-hmm. And I remember meeting with another, another pastor, Gary Gould, who's at Summit. And he was very affirming, as I shared my journey with you, he was very affirming. And one thing he says, you know, in, in Romans 13, it talks about um, we need to submit to authority because the authority is they're God's servant for your good. And you're saying mm-hmm. that the word there for servant is, is the word for deacon. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they're the hands of God. So don't, it's serving God, whether it's, mm-hmm. it's at school or, or, or at work or in your neck of the woods, it's as much a, 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 a calling as serving God in, in full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, for someone right now uh, wrestling through a calling to ministry or someone in ministry, how would you advise them to discern and kind of figure out what God has for them next? Yeah, I mean, for sure, uh, prayer and asking God to, to reveal himself to mm-hmm. you. Uh, and I believe that God is such uh, a gracious and gentle God that he will. You know, like I... It took me about a year and a half before like, I, 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 stepped, uh, I stepped into this journey. And I've asked so many people. And there's a fine line between uh, seeking being wise and seeking counsel and being a, a chicken. And I think, you know, like, it was a very fine line mm-hmm. because I wasn't sure. And I, I didn't want to make a mistake if I put it this way. But right. God is so good in, mm. in using circumstances and using people. I've told you my story. Like, I've really given you the cold note. Yeah. But there's so many d- different people and circumstances 
sentence, people that I didn't know that knew each other, that have talked to me and this and that and whatnot, where God orchestrated that. So I would say for sure, take the time to, to pray and ask God to reveal himself. And as a good father, he will. Mm. And seek wise counsel. Seek wise mm. counsel uh, and, and, uh, and the people that are, that are surrounding you in, in your church community. And look at, look at it as well as, as your gifts. You know, how God has wired you, how God has gifted you, and how God wants to, to redeem those gifts for his greater purposes. Hmm. Cool. Thank you so much. No, no problem. Um, so in your early 40s, I think around 41, on your 41st birthday, was that correct? It was on my 41st birthday. You're correct. Yeah. 41st birthday, this calling, this invitation from the Toronto police. You did your training. And you, you became a police officer officially in the year 2020. That is correct. In February or something yeah, like February, that. Yeah, February. Now, if I'm thinking correctly, you know, 2020 wasn't the year many aspired to be police officers. We have everything, the civil unrest. We have George Floyd's death. And you as a black man, mm -hmm. uh, becoming a police officer has so many challenges. And just take us through that journey and how you navigated all of that. You know, for, for me... As I said, I'm from Montreal, and uh, growing up, I, I played hockey, and as you can imagine, there aren't many brothers that uh, play hockey, so I've suffered my fair share uh, of racism. You know, mm -hmm. I remember I was probably 10-ish or so the first time that I got called mm -hmm. a word that I will not repeat, but you know exactly where I'm going from, um, and, and that was a fairly uh, traumatic experience for me. I remember my brother uh, getting pulled over at least mm. on a monthly basis, you know, for uh, so, uh, so, uh, what they call checkups and everything. I remember a friend of mine, and that again is, is another trauma. I remember a friend of mine, Stetson, who on his way to church uh, Sunday morning gets uh, stopped at the bus stop, four cars, he's a teenager at the time, four police cars, you know, block him in, um, question him for about like 45 minutes. He misses his bus to go to church. And at the end, he asks one of the, hey, can I get a ride to go to church? They laugh at him and, you know, and, and they take mm. off. And again, uh, another aspect of trauma. And, and then you, you talked about like, you know, what's, what's been happening, uh, the, the whole George, uh, George Floyd and all the other incidents. You know, when all those things happen, and there's a sense of, of racial trauma that happens to many uh, black people. Ask most racialized persons, they could share with you, you know, a bunch of stories of how they've either been hurt themselves or they've heard stories. And, and when that happens for us, it's not just like, oh, that's unfortunate. Oh, that's too bad. No, we, it's another trauma. They call it vicarious or secondary trauma where we relive a lot of what we went through hmm. uh, through the eyes of what's happening. So uh, a lot of, uh, of people... Are, are, are wrestling with these, these inner traumas mm. as, they're, uh, as they're during on and they're being reminded daily almost uh, when those things happen. And I have to, to navigate this from a, 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 a black person, from a policeman, from a pastor, yeah. from a, a father's perspective. Mm. And how can the church respond? How can the church uh, uh, help, if you could put it this way? How yeah. can the church uh, be involved in this? One is by being bold. And by, what do I mean by a bull? And if I could dare say, be color bold. And what I mean by that is, you know, I've often heard people say, you know, Stevens, I don't see color. 
don't know if you've ever heard that. I don't I see how heard that. You, I've treated people all the same, and the intent is good. I believe the intent is good, but the impact is, is different than the intent. You know, sometimes we've got great intentions, but the impact it has on other people is uh, completely different. Because, you know, when you say that uh, you don't see color, you, you make certain assumptions. You, you assume that I don't want to be seen as black, but I want to be seen as white, and white is uh, a little bit of the norm, mm-hmm. right? You make uh, many assumptions like that. When you uh, say that I don't see color, when you say that you're colorblind, you uh, deny my lived experience as a person of color. You know, when I was uh, seven or eight, my dad told me, you know, as, as a black kid, you have to work twice as hard than a white person to have the, to have the same opportunities. My son, uh, when he was about eight, got called the same pejorative word that I uh, got uh, called, you know. Uh, when I go into a bank and I see, you know, like certain person, you know, cleanse their purse if I go to a store. I mean, those are uh, all lived, my lived realities that I work, uh, that I live with a, a, on a regular basis. So, and when you say that you don't see color, you're colorblind, you, you don't share my burden. The Bible calls us to share one another burden, but how can you know my burdens if you don't validate, if you don't understand my lived uh, experience? Moreover, denying, these, uh, d- denying th- this reality, it's denying the manifestation of the image of God uh, that we can see through various ethnic groups. Mm. You know, the Bible tells us that once we'll get up there, or once we'll get there, there'll be people from you know, many tribes and tongues yeah. and nations. It won't be a, a, a waspy area. It won't just be hills. It'll be a little bit of everything, right? <laughs> um, and, and this is what God, God is, is such a diverse and unique God that he's manifesting himself through mm different people in different cultures, yet by saying but that you're colorblind or you don't see color, you're denying that uh, reality. See, we, we all have different biases. We all have uh, different ways of, of, of looking at things, but by saying that you're colorblind, you're not allowing to uh, expose uh, those things. And the best way to deal with our biases is by exposure. You know, mm. different studies have shown that the best way to deal with uh, our biases is through lived experiences, through um, being exposed to uh, these things. So may I uh, encourage you to, to, to be bold, to be mm. color bold. When you get together, I mean, when you know, things will get back to normal, mm. we can get together with people. Mm. Let's be bold and not just stay with people that are similar to us, mm. but let's be bold and, and get to know people. Get to know people that are uh, uh, different different perspective, different color, bring them in so that our, some of our biases can uh, be confronted. So don't be uh, colorblind, but be uh, color bold. Another aspect is to be humble. Hmm. To be humble, as when you have those people over and you're connecting with them, uh, be humble in your approach to them. Hmm. You know, about um, eight or nine years ago, um, I was molested sexually. Hmm. And if when I share with, with people, I haven't had one person come up to me and like, well, Stevens, come on, man. You're a big guy. How come you didn't do it? Come on, man. You should have. You could have. Mm. People approach me with a sense of empathy, and that's a sense of benefit, a sense of care, a sense mm. of understanding. And, and that's the approach that we're, the church, as a church, we're, we're called to have. When, when people are, are, are ready to share, don't go fact-finding. Don't be, well, you know, it wasn't. Yeah, but you should have, and you could have. Yeah, but how come? And yeah, but stats. No, no, no. Approach it with an attitude of humility. 
Right, all the privileges. Yet he lowered himself. He humbled himself. He died on the cross so that we can be reconciled with God and that we can be reconciled with one another. So that we could be a, a body of healing for one another. So that we could express uh, that uh, to uh, the the body of Christ, where our traumas as racialized people uh, can be prayed with and, and cried with and, and encouraged and and validated and and believed in. Hmm. Lastly, uh, I want to say, uh, be a salt. Be salty. Mm-hmm. You know, go and uh, in in your spheres of influence and be the salt. Be advocates for uh, for equity. Uh, be advocates for inc- for diversity and inclusivity. Hmm. Now, a friend of mine works in uh, the hospital world, and uh, she's with many of the big wigs there. And she's sitting at those tables, and she's looking around, and she's seeing all white, and she's asking, "Hey, where's where's our diversity here? Where's our our, our equity?" And I'm not talking about like having like a, you know a token a black person yeah. or a token whatever person just mm-hmm. say, "Hey, hey, we're diverse now. Look at us, you know, we have colors of benefit." No, no, not, not that, but, but include them so they do have a voice. My mm-hmm. friend uh, Quincy uh, Bergman was was giving the example, saying, "You know." Diversity is like you're invited to the dance floor. You're, you're invited to the dance. Yeah. You know, you invited to the dance. You're there. You know, you hear the beat. You just move it a little bit. You invited to the dance. Uh, but inclusivity is like you're invited to the dance floor. You're invited to, to bust a move to to have an influence so that now people can see so you. Have a voice. So whatever mm. your your sphere or, or, or influence are, um, be uh, be that voice. Be that person that will fight for diversity. Be that uh, person that would fight uh, for inclusivity. Be a salty wherever. God has placed you. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for your vulnerability, mm. your honesty, just sharing from your heart, your life experiences, the challenges that you've gone through. And you see there kind of the call, the rec- racial reconciliation, just the humility of Christ, Philippians 2. Mm. Yet the calling in life is also just to, to rise up and be a part of what God is calling us mm-hmm. all to. Mm-hmm. Kind of all goes together. Um, as we kind of wrap up our time, before I invite, before I pray for us and invite Stevens to give us a benediction, uh, just after, after, after Stevens gives the benediction, there will actually be a short video on our missions, uh, the series that will be, the seminar that will be beginning right after our mission series entitled Justice, Compassion, and the Heart of God. So do check that out. Uh, Stevens, I really appreciate having you here. Um, I have learned from you for so many years. Thank you 
for teaching us and just shaping us. And mm. Christ's call is rich. And I look toward the heavens and what, and what we will be when we are all gathered together. Mm -hmm. Yet his call for us on missions now is rich to be a part. Mm -hmm. uh, and that means no pastor is better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. We are all called to be faithful. Mm -hmm. Yet we are all called uh, to preach the gospel that reconciles all God's mm -hmm. people together mm -hmm. in his peace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. Let me mm -hmm. pray and then I'd just love for you to bless us sure. with a final Amen. word. Father, thank you. Thank you for this day. Father, as we have heard many things uh, that are speaking to our heart right now, uh, whether it's about race, 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 reconciliation, humility and learning, whether it's about our calling and what you are calling us to at this time or what you are calling us as the church to, Holy Spirit, come and show us what our next steps are. Show us what, how we are supposed to live. Help us see Christ because that is the center of everything. Father, uh, thank you for sending your son to this earth because he is truly the only hope we have for humanity. And, and a life that we can live now that is an abundant life and forever with you comes through Christ's death and resurrection on the cross. So Father, I just pray a blessing upon Stevens. May you continue to bless him in his work with the Toronto police. And may you continue to lead him and his family uh, to wherever you call them in the future. And we just thank you for the chance to learn and come humbly before you and experience the cross of Christ in all aspects of our mm -hmm. life. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You know, one, one our senior pastor uh, at Regslow uh, used to define benediction as, as two words, benediction. It's, it's a good word. So my good word uh, for you comes in two part. You know, I want, I want to bless you with the ability to hear God's voice. May you hear his voice wherever um, you are. May God gives you, uh, give you the, the blessing of, of hearing his voice as you cry out to him. And may God give you the courage and the boldness to be his voice. To be his voice wherever he has called you. Go in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more on us as a church and ways to connect, please visit us online at firstalliancechurch.org.